Welcome to Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to the CSU podcast, uh, the GRIT podcast, where today we are with Greg Harrelson. And um, I met Greg a couple of years ago at Jeff Cohn's Omaha Elite Summit. And I remember all these team owners just surrounding you, Greg, uh, trying to figure <laughs> out how you do this because you have five brokerages, is my understanding, and you uh-huh. actually run those. Is that right? Okay, and you actually yep. run those like a team. And so mm-hmm. people are going to say, "Well, what does that mean? He runs it like a team." So I want to dig into that today because what you are doing is what I think every brokerage should do. And it's also what I think every team owner should do and that I think they should go develop a brokerage and run it like they do their teams. So anyway, I I know it's been a long road for you. You've been in this business for a long time, but I'm really excited about uh, spending more time with you today. Before we get started, give us a little more background on on yourself and your your business. And, you know, I know you do thousands of transactions, so maybe you can share some of that with us. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, my hometown and where I'm, I, you know, I spend just about every day is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So that's my, 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 uh, my market, my home. Um, I do have operations in Columbia, South Carolina, as well as um, Charleston, South Carolina. And both of those locations are, um, or markets are about anywhere from two hours to two and a half hours away from my main market. Um, but I've been in the real estate business, maybe about 25 years. Um, you know, I was very fortunate early on to, um, be prospected by a Mike Ferry salesperson probably 23 years ago, ended up in a Mike Ferry event, um, signed up for coaching and was involved with, uh, you know, Mike Ferry for many, many years, coaching with him for over 20 years and still attend his events, you know, today. So, you know, I kind of started off as a, a young agent trying to figure out how to, you know, build production. I ended up, you know, uh, through the coaching, ended up expanding that and scaling that, creating a team. Eventually, you know, I had a team doing around 500 transactions. I then disbanded that team and I, I decided I wanted to build a, a company, not just build a team. So I took my current team at that time, which would be like a buyer's agent, a listing agent, maybe two buyer's agents, a listing agent, a few assistants. And I actually disbanded that and opened up a Century 21 brokerage in 99 but my buyer's agent just became an agent. My listing agent became a agent at the company. My main assistant became the broker in charge. My closing coordinator um, slash listing coordinator became closing coordinator slash listing coordinator for the brokerage, right? And so what ended up happening is I, I kind of took my team and I just, instead of saying this is my team, I said, this is my company but the same exact operations, systems, strategies that I was using to build my team, I actually hired people in to join the company and just plugged them in as if they were part of my team. I just didn't take credit for their transactions. I let them have their, um, you know, be able to put the transactions under their name 
but when it comes to CRMs, lead flow, prospecting, marketing, uh, transaction management, everything was done by my staff. And, and, you know, of course, now we're here years and years later, we closed, I think it was 3,700 transactions, uh, give or take a couple, but right at 3,700 transactions uh, in 2019, and, uh, you know, should surpass uh, 4,000 transactions in, in 2020. So have a good time. I mean, that's, uh, that's not even comprehensible to most people sure. to do sure. 4,000 transactions in a year. So as yeah. you look at that, Greg, I, I really want to know, how did you go from this team transition? You make it sound so easy, yeah. but let's, let's dig into that a little bit. So okay. if, if I'm running a team and I'm switching over to running a brokerage, you said, hey, I'm not going to call this my brokerage. I'm going to call it my company. I'm going to put my people just, you know, they were listing agents on my team and now they're listing agents for my company. Mm -hmm. What, what changes happen? I mean, how, how do they pay? Most team owners take a percentage, right? Let's just say yeah. 50% on average. Sure. How does that change when you change into your business model? Uh, are you only taking the percentage when you create the lead or how does that work? How do you pay the agents and how does that differ? Yeah, so there's so many var variations, right? So um, I would say, based on what you just said, I could share like two different variations. You know, there are there are lead sources that cost the company a lot of money. Let, let's let's use Zillow as one of them, as a hypothetical. Okay, yeah. so there's certain costs that comes with come with that versus the costs that may come from my Real Geeks websites that I built 10 years ago, they're optimized, I don't have to do pay-per-click and we're generating you know, hundreds of leads every week, okay? That one came at a cost that I can remember paying that cost years ago to build it, but there's not a hard cost per lead today. It's not, a, again, no paid advertising to get those. So as you can see, there's two different types right here. If I want Zillow leads, then maybe they come at a price to me, so the expenses are higher. And then if it's a real geeks lead, that comes at kind of a zero cost, at least when it comes to lead cost. So then when I distribute those particular leads out, then that could have some influence on the financial arrangement. So maybe there's no variation in their agent split for a real geeks lead or a no cost lead. Um, still a quality, quality lead, but I just don't have any ongoing costs. And then it could be a variable split or it could be their split with a, uh, a referral fee on say a Zillow type lead. And that's how I do it. If it's a high price lead, then I send it to them and then they pay a referral fee on that lead type. But on these okay. other leads, I'll send it to them and that's just value add. Just like if I was a team, one of the responsibilities of a team is to provide some sort of lead flow. I'm doing that from a company level. Yeah, so most brokerages, Greg, and that's a, that's a big differentiator, right? Most brokerages don't generate leads. That's correct. For their agents. That's right. So you're, you're generating leads for your agents. Is it more expensive to be on your, in your brokerage compared to going to another Century 21 brokerage? Do you charge people more because you generate leads for them? Because there is a cost of generating leads, right? Yes. So the answer would be um, you could go to a competing corporate uh, company, brokerage, and... Yep. And probably negotiate a slightly better split than what I'm going to give you. Yes. Um, but let, let's just make sure that we understand. No one gives a damn about split except two people. 
that are agents that don't know how to calculate net and real estate and, and real estate companies that don't know how to actually add value to an agent. So if you don't know how to add value to an agent, you give them a high split. If you're an agent and you don't know how to calculate net, like net profits to you, then you actually attracted to a high split. So people either, people that are going to be attracted to me are coming to me because they actually want to net the most money and build wealth for themselves, right? Um, they, people that are looking for a high commission split or let's say uh, a 90-10 commission split, they may say, well, Greg Harrells is never going to give me that. Yes, you're, you're right. I'm not. But what I will give you is more take home money to, for mama. So mama right. wants the net. Mama <laughs> don't give a damn about what your commission split is. Mama wants to see the net commission check. I will make mama happy while other companies are making the agent happy. And we know who the boss is at the family. Of the house. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it comes yeah. down to. But I, I want to say one more thing if I can. I know I just interrupted you and I think this is really critical for the message I think you're trying to share with your, your audience. And that is I identified um, four, I looked at something years ago and I'm just making a note here because I don't want to forget my train of thought here. Um, I looked at the things that agents spend their money on. Okay, and we look at, if we take the, I've, I've, I've looked at the four main areas people spend their money. They spend their money on leads. They spend their money on marketing. They spend their money on coaching. They hire coaches. And then they spend their money on transaction management, which can come in the form of either software, um, labor, like having a, an assistant, um, you know, uh, negotiators, um, home inspection, um, people who can negotiate home inspections, et cetera. That's where all the money goes. The money goes into four areas. They go to coaching companies like Tom Ferry, Mike Ferry, Maps. They go to lead companies like Realtor.com, like Zillow. They go to marketing companies, whether it be these Facebook companies that say, I'll market, I'll, I'll manage your, your social media. And then they go to transaction management stuff like either Dot Loop and hiring virtual assistants and um, or assistants themselves. Those are the four areas where agents spend money. I realized that if for me to have value, I have to make sure that I provide those four areas at no cost. So if my team, my company, actually is nothing more than a conglomerate of a lead company, a marketing company, a transaction, a transaction management company, and a coaching company, then now they don't have to spend their money with all those outside resources. I can actually provide it because I'm providing it at scale. I can provide it at such a low cost um, to them that they get the, the benefits of all of those things. I get the benefits of high transaction, high volume. Yes. So my agents are going to be able to average much more deals, uh, either their per person production is going to be higher, the profit's going to be higher because I'm actually managing all these things in my operations. So they don't have to, they don't have to hire Zillow. They don't have to hire a coach. They don't have to have a marketing person because I've got graphic design and marketing in-house. They don't have to have a social media person manage it because I've got it all in-house for them. And they still get their face everywhere. It's not my face anywhere. So but if I'm, I'm a new agent, Craig, I just want to come to South Carolina, live in Myrtle Beach, and work for you today, right? I would, if you're a new agent that's serious about building a career and developing top-level top, top, top level income, I'm your guy. Yeah. 
Okay, so how many transactions does your average agent do? Uh, as you know, we all know most average agents probably do less than five transactions a year. Yes. So, so, so what do your average agents do per year? So in Myrtle Beach, it's right around 26. I just, okay. like, I just acquired a company in Columbia. And so when you acquire a company, then the, the average goes down. So if I took like my flagship company, it's right around 26. If I take all operations across the state, it's going to be around 17. Okay. Which are very impressive numbers. Anybody listening to this who runs a business, whether they're a team or a brokerage, knows that those are incredible numbers. So sure. I think it starts from your background. You had a Mike Ferry coach. Was Mike Ferry actually your coach or did you have a Mike Ferry coach? Well, both. So I've had um, Mike Ferry coaches through the years and, and, and Mike Ferry has, has coached me numerous times where he was my personal coach. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So when I got into the business to help Spring grow her team, mm -hmm. uh, my wife runs a real estate team, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, she actually said, we're going to get you a Mike Ferry coach so that you can learn this business quickly and how to be successful, right? So yeah. So I jumped in and got a Mike Ferry coach immediately, which is how CISU was born because I realized how important it was to track all this stuff and to know my business. Mm. Uh, so that being said, you've created that culture with thousands of agents. How do you do that, right? How do you have that many agents and create that culture where people are actually smiling and dialing within a brokerage because I travel around the country and I don't see that. So yeah, share with yeah. us how you did that. Well, you, you do it by hiring, right? Right. You, you do it by hiring correctly. So if you hire in to the team um, and you hiring, if you're right, hiring the right positions for the team, then it's much easier than actually just trying to take people that have certain habits and trying to, to break those habits. So a couple, a, a couple things. Number one, when I'm hiring, um, and, and, and I'm actually going to later on today, I'll be talking to somebody um, about joining our, our, our company. And, um, and, and this person is with another company locally. Um, and one of the first things, within the first two minutes, I will, I'm going to make this statement, and I make it all the time. I'm going to say, you know, John Doe, I'll, I'll call him John, uh, you know, John, hey, look, I appreciate you taking the time sitting down and talking with me. Um, I want you to know this conversation is probably going to go a little different than any other companies that you might be interviewing. Um, I actually did not request a meeting with you um, where, I could, where I could interview you and ask you a bunch of questions. I was hoping that we could get together and you could interview me, ask me a bunch of questions, and at the end of the conversation, decide if I'm the right coach to help develop your business and build your career. Wow, I love so, that. So the key is, is at the end of our meeting or at the end of our dialogue, whether it's one meeting or two meetings or three conversations, when we decide to work together, this agent will be deciding to bring me on as their coach to help them develop their career versus I will be asking them to come to my company. Now, the difference here is this, and some people may listen and say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is when somebody's requesting that I be their coach to help them build their business, that gives me some, some authority. That gives me permission 
to coach them. That gives me permission to guide them. That gives me permission to tell them, hey, the way that you're approaching this may not be working as well as this way. It gives me permission to hold them accountable. See, when I flip the script and they hire me, then that's when they give me the permission to hold them accountable versus if I'm begging for them to come to my company, they've got the leverage over me. Now, I'm not trying to leverage over them, but if I truly have confidence in my ability to develop talent, develop top producers, then I need that coach player mentality within the organization or else I don't really have much of a value. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about the recruiting because you talk about this interview, but as we all know, anybody building a team or a brokerage, one of the most important things they can do is recruit. Most people think recruiting is the most important thing. Yes. I, I, uh, you know, I know that you are also a believer of coaching them to do the right, you know, to, to be successful and agent productivity is also a very important thing. But let's talk, instead of agent productivity, let's talk about recruiting for a minute. What are okay. you guys doing to attract agents? I know you're not the guy out making calls. I know you're not setting up meetings. Someone's doing that for you. What is that process? Yeah, and, and, and this will be a little bit, um, probably a little different than what most people are, are going to anticipate, I'll say. You know, I'm really not, myself nor anybody in um, the Harrelson Group is actually making outbound recruiting calls, Okay. Where, where, my, where I'm, I'm more attracting the talent, but it took time to do that. Like for those of you that have ever you know, seen me on the internet or social media, you'll, you'll notice one thing um, that if you go back and check anything, YouTube, you know, podcast, um, social media, email drips, videos, you'll, you'll see I'm always coaching. You don't see really much content out there that's outside of coaching and serving the real estate agent. So if you look, there's hundreds of it. There's probably thousands of videos out there. I say thousands. I'm sure there's over a thousand videos out there of me coaching on some topics. Doing that freely without any hooks. And so what's end up happening is when agents are frustrated with their business, just like a seller who's frustrated with their property not selling, before it expires, what do they do? They start Googling. They get on the, the internet and they, well, why is my home not selling? Reasons why properties don't sell. Top agents in Myrtle Beach because they're looking for another agent, right? Well, the same thing goes with agents. If they're frustrated at their organization, they start Googling things and going on YouTube and start looking for answers. Well, I'm constantly providing the answers for how you can become successful in the real estate business. So for people are constantly seeing me in that light. And when they're saying, when, when they come to a, a point in their career that say, well, I need to make a move, then it's a logical decision to give me a call and have a conversation. So, so most people are coming to you because they are seeing your stuff. They know the value you're providing. Yes. They're already receiving value from you online. And so they're reaching out to your organization. You guys are determining, do you bring anybody in or do you determine oh, uh -uh. What, what does somebody have to do to be a part of your organization? It sounds like you probably don't bring in a lot of new agents. You probably bring, I, I bring in mostly new agents, mostly new agents. Okay. Mostly great. New agents. great to hear. And yeah. you probably do that because you like to shape their habits. Is that yes. right? 
That's exactly right. I, I like a, a nice clean box of just clay. And then I, I, have a, I have a beautiful clay spinning wheel, pottery wheel in my office. And I just throw that on there, slap some water on there and I shape them up depending on what they tell me. If they say, I want my, 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 my vase to have like an extra, you know, wide opening, then I'll shape them for that. Or if somebody says, well, I want it to be wide on the end and skinny on the top, then I'll shape them like that. I don't really care what shape they want. I just want them to come to me as raw clay. Let me put them on my wheel. Let me splash some water on it. We'll agree what the shape will be. And then let me start spinning that damn thing and put it in and get it to where we want it. So those are the okay. easiest you want the top producers you... is that person. That's going to be the top producer right there. Yeah. So you want somebody you can shape. What kind of screening process do people go through to, to become a part of your organization? Well, so step number one would be before they call me, they already like there's going to be some people that are going to look at this podcast and like, this guy's a little too intense for me. Okay. Yeah. They're probably going to say that about my video. So there's going to be somebody that's going to say, this guy's too intense for me. I'm not that serious. So they're not, I'm not getting that call. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they call me after seeing a video, they've already accepted who I am. So that's screening number one. Okay. They wouldn't have called if they didn't like me or like something that they heard. Okay. Right. Screening number two is going to be when we sit down and I'm going to flip the script and tell them they're interviewing me. I'm not interviewing them and they need to decide if I'm the right person to help grow their business. Yeah. Um, then within that, while I'm, while I'm in this meeting with them, I'm listening for three things. I'm listening. Do they have a desire to win? Because I'm thinking coach player. So forget about real estate. Coach player. Do they have a desire to win the championship? Okay. Yeah. Now, um, the second thing is, is are they, um, you know, will they follow structure? Do I believe they'll follow structure, um, systems? Because I'm very systematic, process oriented. So I'm listening for, do I feel like they're just going to constantly want to wing it? Or will they actually, you know, get into a system and they'll stick with it and see it through even when it's a little bit boring? Yep. And then the third thing that I'm, I'm looking for is, are, do I believe they're coachable? So I'll, I'll ask people sometimes, it depends on the personality, but I've asked this many times. Um, I'll ask somebody, I'm just kind of curious, if you were to play Monopoly with your friends, um, you know, three or four of your best friends, who would win? The right answer, by the way, is nobody. Nobody would win. Because if you play Monopoly with me, I'll never lose. Okay, I may win, but I'll never lose. And the reason why I'll never lose is because at some point trading is involved in monopoly. Yeah. You have to trade, right? Because it gets to that point. I'll just refuse to trade. And then the game will never end. And that's the difference in a closer and a cleaner. A cleaner has doesn't can't stand losing. The closer loves to win. But Michael Jordan. He hated losing more than he loved to win. That's what made Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I'm looking for people like that really have a desire to win. They'll follow structure and they'll be coachable. I don't really, I'm not really concerned about their background, what they've done or what they've not done. If they bring that to the table and we mix in what I'm going to bring to the table, I can get them to produce hundred deals. 50 deals, 100 deals, no problem. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a, I used to coach my kids in competitive basketball. And okay. 
I still Vince Lombardi's quote of yeah. winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. <laughs> it's the right? only so thing. So my kids still yep. today, that they go around saying that to me and smirking yeah. at me. So yeah. um, I, I, I completely agree with your philosophy there, Greg. So let's talk about coaching. When you okay. have that many agents, how do you coach them effectively? Yeah. So you got to figure out how to do things on scale, right? So I, I'm running kind of like the hub and spoke model. So Myrtle Beach is my, you know, my, my hub. That's where I am all the time. That's where all the centralized services are, like the bookkeeping, the marketing, um, any kind of lead generation and, and management, social media management, all that stuff is really housed out of Myrtle Beach. So a couple things that I've done is like today is, is, is Tuesday. I don't know what day this will come out, but the day of this recording, it happens to be a Tuesday. And at 1045, I have a coaching call and I do a coaching call over conference line. So all the agents within all the markets that, I, that I'm serving, they actually log in and then I bring a, a topic every week on Tuesday and I coach that topic. And this is not a, a, okay, let me tell you about the things that's going on at the company. No, this is a coaching call. And I'm is, it a requirement? is it a requirement that your agents are on there? I, I, no, it's not a requirement. It's, it, okay. it's not a requirement. I have high attendance. But I do, but I don't, it's not a requirement. There's plenty of times where agents cannot make that call, but that, that goes to the second thing. Then what I've done is I've built out a membership site that's exclusive to agents that are within my organization. So it's a learning portal. And if they they miss that call, they're going to log in and they're going to listen to it later. It's archived. Yeah. So you could, you could log into my learning portal right now and there would be hundreds of, of training calls and training videos that I've done and it's all categorized cataloged properly so you could do price reductions and then all of a sudden see a menu of different trainings that I've done on price reductions so I'm constantly doing that and then um, on, on, on Mondays at 11 o'clock we always have a boot camp going on every single month so uh, or two boot camps there's always a boot camp on on some sort of buyer topic that's usually four Mondays and then that completes that course and then there'll be a boot camp on listings, which would be four, uh, four weeks you know, in a row to complete that course. And then every single month for the 12 months, we have different courses and boot camps going on. And that's all done by webinar. So what's happening is I do that, I bring it live to them versus say a Zoom call, and, and then I archive that as a course inside of the training portal. So I'm creating new content every single week, multiple um, uh, types of new content every single week, and then it's being housed in just the library of content that we have as an organization. So when I'm onboarding a new agent, we've got multiple courses. They have to take the new agent course, then they have to take the buyer course. So they have to take the new agent course, get script certified before they're allowed to make any calls. They have to take the buyer course and get script certified and attend certain requirements in order to actually get a lead. So I have requirements that they have to go through these courses before they can actually start doing business. So the only people that have access to this portal are your agents. That's right? correct. Yeah, it's not, it, this is not, none of this stuff do I put on the, 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 the web. I put okay. a lot of stuff out on the internet, but not yeah. this stuff. This is stuff is very sacred to us. Yeah, great. Okay, so, um, geez, there's so much, so much to learn from you, Greg. So uh, one of the things you talked about is that you acquired a company this year. Sure. 
So, um, I mean, did you just start with one brokerage and how did you get mm -hmm. to five? Talk, talk about that kind of growth. How does that happen? Yeah, so I started, uh, my dad and I actually uh, started or bought a brokerage. We, we started afresh um, in 1999 with Century 21. And he retired maybe 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and then I started uh, looking to, you know, I, I, my belief is, is I, I, I feel very confident that I can develop talent and I can help people grow their real estate businesses. So, you know, I started looking for other brokerages that maybe I could acquire that maybe they're wanting to, you know, exit out of the, uh, you know, out of the business. And, but we're also strategically located at corners of my current market that I didn't really serve. So if you take Myrtle Beach, I'm in South Carolina on the, on the ocean, on the East Coast. And so you can't go East or you're going into the ocean, right? So you either go North, South and West. And so what I did is I was already kind of south of my county. What I did is then I focused, I said, I need to acquire a company that's the northern part of the county. So I ended up like targeting, you know, companies, seeing if I could, you know, find people that I could have a value for their agents. And maybe we're thinking about, you know, exiting. And then I acquired one north. So now I controlled, or at least I'm located on the south end of my market. I'm now located on the north end of the market. And then the next one I acquired was on the uh the western corner our market is more of a triangle than a square so then i acquired one on the western corner which would be the top of the triangle and now i focus in the myrtle beach market now of expanding each one of those offices and then i just pretty much do infill for the entire county so okay. you know but i was looking for people that might have had companies that were like most companies they're not making profit so it's not too hard to find companies that are unprofitable Right. Yeah. So how, how do you structure a deal with somebody like that? I mean, you say they want to get out of the business. If they're not profitable, their business isn't worth much. So how do you structure a win-win with somebody like that? Well, usually they're trying to figure out how do they give away their company without hurting their agents? Because I mean, a lot, there are plenty of owners out there that realize that, gosh, if I could just go back to production, I could make more money, but then they have an attachment to whatever they built. If, if, if let's assume it's not profitable, or it's break even, they still have an attachment to their people. So they, sometimes they hold on too long to their companies because they're really trying to hold on and, 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 and do their best for their, their agents. So when I can, if I can find a scenario like that, then I can go to that person and I can structure some sort of um, uh, a, a commission split for them to get back into the business and start making some real money maybe I can give them some performance, you know, bonus on the company. If they stick around and they help me, then there could be some p the uh, performance on that. And by the time that I look at the company draw production or, or projections over three or four years, I bet you a small little piece of a company like performance bonuses will be worth more than have them having a hundred percent of the profit doing what they're doing. Right. So I can look at that type of scenario. I have to analyze every, you know, every, every case and, and I'll present that to them. And most of the time, if they feel like I'm going to come in and I'm going to protect their agents and I'm going to help their agents, that provides the majority of the relief for them. They just don't want their, they don't want the company to go under because where are my agents going to go? And they don't want to just have anybody, you know, come in and change commission splits and tell them they're wrong and then everyone leave. So it's a yeah. real art to be able to come in 
And especially with somebody that have, runs a model like mine, I have to come in. I don't just come in and say, all right, everything's changing. Do it, do it like, um, you know, like we've been doing it over here. If I did that, everyone would leave. I got to go in there and say, they're, they're expecting Greg Harrelson's going to come in and he's going to change everything. And then what they end up find out, no, Greg Harrelson comes in and I just observe everything. And then I look at these agents who are doing, maybe they do their business by direct mail. Instead of tell them they need to go prospect, I actually get into their world and say, well, tell me like how many pieces do you send per month? Let me see your pieces. And then I'd send them over to my graphic designer and said, hey, maybe let Daniel look at this and see if he can improve on this. And did you know about every door direct mail, how you can drive your cost down? And did you know this? And next thing you know, I'm helping them optimize their direct mail strategy. Now you've got and, their buy-in. Yeah, and I got their buy-in. So I got to get into their tribe before I invite them into my tribe. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Okay, uh, so one thing I want to go back to, Greg, you talked about providing leads, and there's different costs of different leads. And I think anybody yeah. can go out and anyone can get Zillow leads, and anyone can go to, to realtor.com and pay for OpCity. You know, those are things that anybody can do, right? The real geek strategy, though, that you talked about that is not costing you money anymore, what exactly are you doing there? Help some of these brokers understand what you're doing, because I think that's probably, even though generating leads is something that is really easy today to do in today's world, I think that's really a struggle for most brokerages. They don't even know where to start with that, right? And that, that's yeah. like something that they don't even really comprehend, generating leads for my agents. So right. can, you, can you give some tips on how, how someone will get started and go that direction? Yeah. So let, let's, I'm going to go with Zillow, and then I'm going to go backwards to right. say like a real geek strategy. The, in my opinion, and I have strong opinions, as everyone <laughs> knows, when it comes to the industry, in my opinion, the challenge with brokerages, teams, providing leads is not the fact that it's hard to buy the leads. It's hard to actually get a return off of leads. And the reason why it's hard to get a return off of bought leads is because teams and companies don't have the right accountability in place. Okay, that's very important. See, like I have a very large budget and to spend on leads, but which most people couldn't afford the budget that we have. But the key is, is I have a layer of accountability and accounting on those leads. I know who's on that lead team and I know every single one of them, what their performance is, how many leads did they get? What is their return? How much money did they make? How much money did the company make? How does that relate to expenses? What's my overall, you know, return on all the leads? So whether it be return per agent, return per zip code, return for, per dollar, I would know all those numbers. And you have to have that type of tracking and run it like a real business in order to be able to spend and earn on leads. So anyone can buy the leads, the disconnect is people don't have the guts to hold their agents accountable because brokerages and teams are more focused on keeping their agents than leading their agents. They don't want their agents to leave them. And when you're so afraid of, uh, you're so attached to the agent from leaving you, then you tend to zip your lip and not hold them severely accountable, which in turn hurts both of you. 
Okay. Yeah, so, so that's so, the real challenge with the paid leads. Yeah. So do you, on the paid leads, Greg, and at CISA, we have a lot of teams now that use us to know their lead source ROI, right? To know. Yeah. Yes. And what I've, what I'm starting to see is people are making decisions differently. For instance, uh, if, if I have a Zillow lead that's costing me $3,800 per closing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And I have somebody that's converting very high on those. And so for that particular agent, it's only costing me $600 per closing. Yes. Versus some other agent that I'm giving them all kinds of Zillow leads. They're not converting any of them. Yes. And so it's costing me tens of thousands of dollars and no closings, right? And so people yeah. are starting to observe and see this kind of stuff and make decisions on who they give their leads to. So how do you make those? 100%. How do you make those decisions and how do you, how do you address it with your agents, right? Like, hey, you know what? You're not converting on these leads. How do you do that without offending your agent? Because I think more and more people, and we're, we're on a mission to help people understand yeah. their lead source costs and all that kind of stuff, but still being a leader like you are is, is difficult, right, for some people. So tell us how you present that to your agents. How do you, how do you handle it? it, it it's all about setting expectations on the front end. Remember I said, when we bring a new agent on, if they're going to be, get buyer leads, they have to go through this training and they have to finish that training in order to actually be qualified to get a lead. Well, guess what's part of that training? It's training them on the systems, training them to put their uh, hold up to, to log their numbers into CSU, training them on what your ratio should be, training them on the scripts and whatnot. So we're, we're, we're doing our job on the front end to equip them, to give them the abilities to meet our standards. Once, you know, the challenge is, is some companies are trying to hold people to standards that they never told them that they had. That's one problem. Or they told agents, well, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you accountable to the standard, but they never trained them and gave them the tools and the knowledge and the scripts to actually meet the standard. I see this all the time. Yeah. So we believe we've got to equip them. We got to educate them on what the standards are, show them exactly how to meet those standards, and then we can hold them accountable. So our agents are not thinking that we're, we're policing them to try to reprimand them. They know that this is the standards and we're trying to educate them to get them to meet or exceed those standards. So it's yeah. how we approach it. Completely different approach. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So that's the paid leads. Paid, let's, paid uh, leads. Let's, go to the, let's go the other direction. And how do you, how do you build that? Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot harder than it used to be. Um, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, you know, I would say 15 years ago, I guess, you know, I was building websites or I, I personally did not build them. I was building websites, but I had somebody that's exclusive to me to help me build my websites and optimize them for Google rankings. And so basically we built them years and years ago based on all these long tail terms, instead of just going after Myrtle Beach real estate, which is, an, which is a very highly competitive, low quality term, we would be going for longer tail terms like Grand Dunes Homes for Sale. So we would go homes for sale knowing that if anyone was typing in Grand Dunes Homes for Sale, that they already knew Myrtle Beach, they already knew Grand Dunes, and they were specifically looking in that neighborhood. So the quality of the lead would be much greater. The quantity would be less, but the quality would be much higher. So what we did is we built out literally thousands of pages. I probably got 800 
residential communities uh, fully built out on my websites. I've got, and then equal to that would be condo community, condo buildings. So we could say a couple thousand community pages themselves. How and long then we, it, how long did it take you to do that? How much did it cost? Oh, I mean, how long? Gosh, I still build pages today. Yeah, but li li yeah, you know, it's it's a never-ending thing because I want Google to see that we're constantly keeping things current. Yeah. So, um, two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand. It's an ongoing project, right? That never it's, ends. It, I, just it, want, it, I just want people to understand that it is an ongoing project that never ends. Now, the cost associated it to it today, I might have been spending you know, $8,000 a month in, in expense to be able to do it maybe 10 years ago, you know, now it's a much smaller because we're just keeping it fresh and, 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 and whatnot. We've kind of built out everything, but we'll update pictures and, and things like that. Um, so the cost is a lot lower, but the reason why I've got so many low cost leads is because I was an early adopter of search engine optimization years ago and I got yeah. positioned. It's a little bit harder now because I didn't have Zillow and Realtor and Truly and Home.com and Movado and Redfin and everyone else. We were, I wasn't competing against them. They, it wasn't even on their radar. Yeah. So for years, I enjoyed usually one website, MyrtleBeachRealEstate.com would be the number one position for every term. And then C21, the Harrelson Group would be number two. And then Myrtle Beach Condos would be number six. And then NorthMyrtleBeachRealEstate.com or .net would be number, uh, number six or number five, you know, and I was just pouring in the opportunities. Now, you know, if I have one um, on, the, on, the, on the first page uh, for a major term, that's pretty good against Zillow and Truly and all those guys. Mm -hmm. yeah. But my long tail is still providing, you know, it's probably maybe 400 leads a week. Okay, so if I'm a, if I'm a brand new brokerage owner, just saying, hey, I'm gonna duplicate what Greg did. Yeah. What kind of budget do I need to spend on lead gen getting started i mean let's say i have 20 agents in my brokerage what do, what kind of what kind of budget do i need to spend what would you recommend i do as far as starting this whole lead gen process yeah and, and let's just assume that their company has cash flow right so we're not yeah. we're not we're not you know borrowing this money on a home equity line right, you know, right. because quite frankly my answer would be zero if you don't have the money don't do it go actually prospect your way to get finances to then reinvest. So okay, that was so the first thing is run a profitable business. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So if I wasn't running a profitable business, um, I, I would go and find very low cost ways to generate leads. And then I would store up some of those acorns and then I'd go invest some of that money, the profits I'd go invest and try to make money off my money. But okay. I would not get into, you know, doing this until you have a profitable business. Okay, because so it's just going to make you more unprofitable. When you're doing that, Greg, what's more important? Is it number of leads? Again, we're just starting off here. Yeah. Is it number of leads or quality of leads? What's more important? Um, number of leads. Okay. And, and here's why I say that. I don't think anybody has, I, I think we're all hallucinating when we're actually trying to judge which, which lead source is more quality. I really do. Like, like, the, like people say, well, social media leads are just poor quality. Well, I mean, the same lead you got on social media, I got through Zillow. Do you, like, do you think that's I, a like how do we know? Do you think that's a mindset? I watch, I watch people on my wife's team and some of them like love these particular leads and hate these others where someone else is converting five out of eight of those others, right? So it's all crap. It's, a, it's, it's, it's mindset. It's people are saying what they need to say to let them off the hook 
from accepting responsibility of low conversion. Okay. Oh, these leads right. stink. Oh, yeah, but that's the perfect thing to say because then that means I'm blaming Spring. Yeah. I'm blaming Greg. And like me, if they give me that, I, these leaves stink, I, they're not going to say that to me. They make that <laughs> mistake one time. They make that mistake one time, they're not getting any more leads. I'm, that's I'm right. Gonna, that is, that's not yeah. flying. Because yeah. we don't, because the, the key is, is what stinks is an agent's approach to leads. Yeah. And, and, and what's happening, what's confused everybody is um, we, 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 agents don't understand that the, the, well, they, I think they understand that the length of time from capture to conversion has expanded. I think most agents know that, that because we capture things on the internet, that it takes longer to convert because we're, 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 we're kept capturing them sometimes in, in, in different stages. But I think it's important that people know what stages that people are in. So if somebody's in the dreaming phase, which is a lot of people, social media, you're going to get more people in the dreaming phase. Yep. All that means is they'll convert just as high as the people that are in the buying phase. It's just that the duration of time before they convert changes. It's not they do they convert because when we do back testing of five years ago on 10,000 leads, we'll see that they all converted at a certain percent. It's just some took two years to convert. Some took two months to, to convert. So our perception and our, our labeling of a quality lead and somebody that's low quality is, is distorted. We're wrong. They're all good quality. What we're trying to determine is are they in the dreaming phase, the exploratory phase, the search phase, or the buying phase? Yep. So first thing, and I, I listened to a Tom Ferry podcast this morning with his, with his brother, who is an agent. I listened to the same one today. Did you really? I sure so did. He, yeah. he, talks, he talks about, okay, so here's the stage, right? What stage is this buyer in? But just doing some of those little things and understanding some of those little secrets of how to ask things differently. Yeah. Also, as an agent, you can take your conversion ratio from 1% to 8% from actually talking to somebody to setting an appointment, right? So yeah. Those are Absolutely. really important things to know as well, which is why it's so important that you track things like you do so that mm -hmm. you understand, hey, what, what's my weakness here? If, I'm, if my conversion ratios are so low, I need to focus on improving my skills. And I think so many people, yes. think, so many people think, I just need to work harder. I need to work longer hours. It's really, you need to improve your skills, know your conversion ratios, know how to be effective, right? And then you can drive more business. Yeah, I, I agree. And one thing I'd say, and I think people will find relief in this, is I think a mistake is made when, when, when people hear you need to improve your skills. I think what they hear is, well, I need to be a, I, I need to be a better salesperson. I need to learn how to close on people. It's not the skill of closing on people that we need to develop. It's the skill of asking questions and listening to people. And, and, and having them feel like you're the expert that brings added value, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And to piggyback on that one more time, I think people start to feel you're an expert when they notice you're a listener. Mm -hmm. It's like a doctor. A doctor comes in, they've got, they've got there's, a, there's a process of information gathering, and then there's a process of information giving. 
Most agents want to give information right off the bat. But if you look at a doctor, a doctor gathers information. They go in and say, okay, so it sounds like your arm's hurting. Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? They start asking all these questions and doing these tests. And then they finally get to a point where they have confidence in their assessment of what's going on. Then they start giving information. Yeah. See, if we would take the same approach, if we'd be an information gatherer, before we were an information giver, they would actually respect us at a higher level and stop questioning us. Great. Okay, Greg, I know we're short on time. We could spend hours, I know. <laughs> so um, I just wanna ask you, is there anything out there today that's like a new thing that as a business owner, mm. I should be focused on, I should be aware of? I mean, there's so many different things out there with the world changing and technology and different things. Is there anything that's like fresh on your mind that's something that everyone should be paying attention to in today's world? Yeah, I, I, this is what's fresh on my mind and that I'm paying attention to. Okay, so I'll just share that, that with you and, and hopefully that answers. I'm, I'm really going back and, and, and I believe deeply connecting with other human beings is something we is the new thing it's stop thing and i'm not saying well stop looking at you know everyone as a transaction and let's look at them as a relationship i'm not talking about that i'm talking about developing the skill to be able to communicate in a way to dig deeper into clients motivations so you can better serve them that is the differentiator because we are so much in a hurry. We're so impatient. We're trying to like log numbers real quick. Like I need to convert this at this level and I need to do it this fast. We've lost sense of connection. We don't, we're, not, we're not great communicators anymore. And I think with all the new things and shiny objects that are out there, the good shiny objects, the not so good shiny objects that are out there, there's a lot of noise and everyone's trying to figure out what's the next best thing. I believe the next best thing is to ignore all the noise and go back to old school connecting. And you do that through asking proper questions, listening, showing them you really care and really digging deep to the core of their motivations and then help them or help provide solutions to what they're looking to accomplish. Let's go and do that. That's going to be the agent that wins at a higher game. And when agents as an industry, when we're sitting here to figure out what's our value, in my mind, that's our value. That's gonna be the hardest way, hardest value for a machine to actually duplicate. Right, right on, I love it. Um, I, I love spending time with you, Greg. It's, it's so much fun. If anybody wants to reach you, wants to come work for you, wants to ask you questions, wants to pick your brain, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Best ways to find me on Facebook, Greg Harrelson, and then shoot me a private message. It's, it's the simplest way for me to be, um, uh, to communicate to people from okay. in this capacity. Okay. Great. Well, Greg, I'm going to let you go. I know you have a hard stop. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Always a pleasure and uh, look forward to catching up with you and your team here even in more depth here in the near future. Yes, time. I'm looking forward to what we'll build in the future with CSU because it's been a great thing. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Yep. So there you have it. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of CSU, make sure that you use the coupon GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast on iTunes. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.